Hey, this is Rob Harder with Making Your World Better, a nonprofit leadership show where real stories from real people who are coming up with real solutions to solve society's biggest challenges. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? How do people fundraise in an economy that is constantly in flux? How do you relate to board members in a way that inspires them to make a difference? What are the best practices that separate effective nonprofits from others? It is my hope that through these episodes, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear real stories from real leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy this series as together we hear how they're making their world better. In the studio is John Hanrahan. He's the medical director for the People's Health Clinic, which is a local nonprofit here in Park City. And he's going to talk about the unique role nonprofits play in our world. Uh, First of all, with the Affordable Care Act here in our country, there are still people falling through the cracks when it comes to health care. And in John's mind, that's where the nonprofit comes in to really catch those people falling through the cracks. And so his role there at the medical, uh, as medical director is to meet those needs. And so with his experience of serving in local government, he's helped start nonprofits. And of course, now he's serving as medical director at a nonprofit. I think he has a really unique perspective and you're going to enjoy hearing what John has to say today. John, it's great to have you in the studio. Thanks very much, Rob. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Well, we've we're got some tough questions we're going to ask today, and we want to dive right into it. Uh, the People's Health Clinic has grown, of course, over the years. It's one of the many nonprofit health clinics dedicated to serving those in our community who do not have any insurance. How has the recent changes in health care, specifically the Affordable Care Act, impacted not just People's Health Clinic, but all of these nonprofits that are focused on health needs in the community? That's a great question, um, and and the the response that I would have given you a couple years ago is very different than today. Um, I thought it was going to have a lot more impact than it has. Um, you know, it, it has done great things nationally, and, and and it's complicated. There are there are also some significant problems with it, of course. Um, but for our particular clinic, we have seen. Uh, a number of patients who have gotten uh, insurance through the Affordable Care Act, but the vast majority of our patients have not and are, are still seeing us and we're still kind of bursting at the seams. In fact, we just uh, expanded our clinic hours um, Monday mornings and Friday mornings as well because we just... Because the demand is that the high. The demand is that high. It's, it's a little bit hard to determine whether uh, that demand is... Um, high because people aren't getting the you know insured through the affordable care act or if it was going to be there anyway because of population growth exactly mm -hmm. because there there are just a lot of people and a lot of people who um who don't meet the criteria for that and that we're just seeing more of those people that we couldn't see earlier because we didn't have the hours available you know um, and it's probably some combination of all of those things. So do you have any sense, I know it's a little early, but do you have any sense at the end of the day, are these changes that have been brought about by ACA a good thing for those without insurance? What would you say on that one? Well, I, uh, I my view is that yes, it, the Affordable Care Act has been a good thing in general. Um, in, in particular, there are um, several millions of people who now have health insurance who didn't, and that's a great thing. Uh, it also has done away with the pre-existing condition issue that was really 
really onerous for so many people and so many people who really desperately need care but because they have a problem but they can't get insured because they have a problem so uh, it has done away with that and then another big area that uh, has really done well is uh, providing insurance through the parents of young adults until they're I don't know if it's 25 or 26 now but that has also been really important for uh, a big group of people so overall yeah the the net balance if you will you feel like it's a very much a positive thing so far i think so and uh there was an article in the journal uh of the american medical association last summer that uh that kind of highlighted some of the effects of it uh and and it at that time it also appeared to be reducing national health care costs which which of course is great now i think um there's some uh concern that that may not continue, may not last. And uh, there are some other big issues. Of course, United Healthcare recently said they're going to have to drop uh, providing, you know, Affordable Care Act policies in some of their areas. And I don't think, uh, I don't think, I, I'm not an expert clearly and, and don't know a lot about it, but that that's a big hit and that uh, that could impact a lot of other components. Well, certainly, and I'm guessing Utah, but that's a large healthcare provider. And for them to drop it is a big deal. That's right. That's yeah. right. Now, I don't think they're dropping it here in Utah. I think it's in, oh, a, is couple that right? of, yeah, okay. it's in a couple of specific geographic locations that I can't recall. Um, it, it, you know, but they, they say they're losing hundreds of millions of dollars. And uh, so you just got to wonder, well, are there other insurance companies in the same boat? And are they going to also drop this? And as more, you know, providers uh, pull out of that system, then it just makes it harder and harder and harder. Well, and you bring up a good point, you know, with your role specifically at the People's Health Clinic, and I've talked to Nan Worrell, um, who's the former executive director for the People's Health Clinic. How have you seen already changes that you need to make at the People's Health Clinic in terms of your mission, or do you anticipate it actually not changing much? Do you feel like there's changes along the way because of the Affordable Care Act? Well, uh, Utah is one of, I, I think, 17 states that, that did not accept federal dollars to expand state Medicaid. Uh, now that changed uh, slightly this last legislative session, and the Utah legislature um, has expanded Medicaid to cover another, I believe it's maybe sixteen thousand people. Um, and you know there there are pros and cons to that, um, but because of that, there are a, a lot more people in Utah who are exempt from the consequences of not signing up with the Affordable Care Act. So, um, you know, if I if I live in Maryland uh, and I don't sign up for the Affordable Care Act, I'm going to pay a hefty um, tax penalty. And, of course, that gets bigger each year. And now it's gotten to the point where it's significant. And I think people are actually saying, okay, I really got to do something. However, uh, if you meet the federal criteria for Medicaid uh, based on their you know poverty guidelines, in the state of Utah, because you're supposed to be covered by a state Medicaid system and you're not, you're exempt from those consequences. So people don't sign up for it because they, they it. still feel like they can't afford it. Right. They can't afford the premiums, even if it's $200 a month. Uh, very interesting. So there's, there's still people falling through the cracks, in there other are, words. Uh, uh, there are a lot of people falling through the cracks. Um, the other, you know, uh, other people who are exempted that we see in our clinic are people who simply don't make enough money to file income taxes. Um, 
we see uh, a lot of immigrants, you know, who, who work service sector jobs in our town. If they don't, if they're undocumented immigrants, and of course they're not eligible for it. Um, and there are there are kind of sizable groups of people who uh, either are not eligible for help through you know subsidy help through Affordable Care Act, and therefore are not signing up for it or who are exempt and, and find that it's still too costly for them. And that, it's a question for you. Who are the people you primarily see? Is it uh, undocumented? Uh, is it immigrants? Is it refugees? Is it just low-income um, you know, neighbors here that maybe have a job, but they just can't afford to have insurance because their right. wages are so low? The vast majority of the people we see are employed, uh, and they're either employed in several seasonal jobs or several part-time jobs or full-time with businesses that are small enough that they don't need to provide health care. And that I, I think our statistics are somewhere over 90% of the people we see, of the adults we see, I should say, are employed in our area. Um, we have a, a, a majority of our patients are Latino. Okay. We don't, uh, we don't uh, check to see if somebody is documented or undocumented, that's not part of, um, you know, what we do. We're just here to provide health care to people who need it. Uh, we see a fair number of children, which is still kind of surprising to me because uh, it's easier to get children enrolled in CHIP or Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we help families do that. Uh, and we see a slight, uh, a slight majority of women over men. Um, but in general, we are seeing the low-income members of uh, some of Wasatch counties. And it's very interesting because I know even with, we have similar clients, I believe, you know, with our food pantry here at the Christian Center, uh, still people kind of look at me and say, really, there's low-income people in Summit County and Park City? <laughs> right. Well, both of our organizations see them on a regular right. basis. And, That's and, a real classic question. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, Park City, uh, the town, and Summit County are are two of the most affluent, you know, municipalities and counties in the nation, really. Uh, so you look at that and you say, well, that's impossible that you could have people in such dire straits. But we have an enormous um, population of service workers that, that kind of run our economy here, right? We have people right. working in the hotels and in the lodges and in the ski industry and landscaping and construction who... Uh, either have those seasonal jobs or have multiple part-time jobs and uh, maybe they're minimum wage incomes and they have family members and it is really hard for them to make ends meet. So yeah, there, there is a huge need here. It, well, I'm glad to hear that because I know you know we're in the same boat, so to speak. So I, I definitely would concur with that. That I see it every day. People that have one, two, sometimes three jobs. So they're working. It's not like they're just sitting at home. They're working, but it's low income jobs, and it's, it's seasonal work, and so it's not consistent. They don't have insurance provided for them. So yeah, they fall through the cracks. And food and medical care are often some of the top needs. Well, you wear, uh, you've worn several hats in your career. You've been in, in uh, Summit County Councilman. Um, so let me go into the role of nonprofit versus government. Um, how do you see nonprofits having a unique role in the community? And then secondly, where do government and nonprofits ideally come together? How can we work better together in your mind? Because you've been on both sides of that. Right. Well, um, 
That's a tough question. I guess from a philosophical perspective in, in terms of healthcare, my view is that everybody deserves a, a basic uh, healthcare. And the question is how, how do we go about providing that? You know, most of the developed world provides that through government insurance. Uh, we're actually the only one that does not. Um, so the question is, you know, should the government provide that solely? Should it be in partnership with business? Should it be in partnership with insurance? Should it be in partnership with nonprofits? Uh, I would be happy with any of those combinations as okay. long as it gets done. Got it. Um, the it, It's difficult because of the cost. Uh, you know, the government, uh, you know, for instance, uh, Summit County does provide uh, for health, basic health care services of, of certain types through the health department and through grants to organizations like the People's Health Clinic who provide additional services. But for them to cover all of the uh, needs for all of their county residents means they would have to dramatically increase taxes and everybody would have to pay into that. So I don't know that there's a lot of... Uh, political will to do that and there's certainly probably not a lot of will on the sense of the people who would get taxed for that so right. i think it does kind of devolve onto um nonprofits to fill the gaps Got it. Uh, i guess you know the system we seem to have now is the government provides uh care for uh, a a section of of people who are uh, really low income uh and then like 100%, in other words, the government will take care of them 100%. That's right, that's mm -hmm. right. So if you meet certain federal poverty guidelines, you, you are eligible for Medicaid. Um, once you get to 65, you're eligible for Medicare. And those two uh, programs uh, are, are probably taken care of. I, I don't know the exact number, but somewhere close to half, half of the people in our country already. Mm -hmm. um, and then private insurance um, and businesses covering that insurance or individuals covering it pays for a, a vast majority of the rest. And then there's this large group who, who don't get any coverage. So it's, it's kind of a combination right now. Government uh, helping, uh, businesses helping, individuals buying their own policies, and then nonprofits helping the, the group that doesn't fit in fit any anywhere. Fit anywhere, yeah. Now, whether that's the best system or not, I, I, I don't know. I kind of kind of don't think it is. I think it could be done a lot more efficiently and a lot more effectively if we simply said, you know, we're going to we're going to do we're going to provide coverage for everybody. And we just need to figure out the most cost effective and quality effective way to do that. Do you, well, let me ask you this. Is there a model out there in our country or maybe in a different country that has done that really well in your mind where it's been as efficient as possible? Again, maybe the for-profit world takes it over. Maybe the nonprofit world takes it over. Or maybe the government completely takes it over. What, is there a model out there that we could start looking towards that could is doing it better than what we're doing now? I think those models are out there. I think uh, they're... There are several I've I've been reading about um, over the last few years. Uh, there's a there's a, a model based out of Grand Junction in Colorado. There's another model uh, I think in the Northwest uh, that I remember reading about where it, it's really um, 
a concept of integrating care amongst all the providers in that area, you know, outpatient clinics, hospitals, uh, and, and the different specialties in primary care, um, non-physician uh, providers as well, and getting everyone together for, um, you know, for the benefit of the patient and, and providing the best care for that patient most often results in a, a reduced cost um, mm-hmm. because people who have their diabetes you know controlled are not going to wind up in the emergency room and if you're a, uh, an expecting mother and you don't get prenatal care you know uh, ethically the the problems that you're at greater risk for and your baby's at greater risk for you know are, are heart-wrenching and financially it costs you know, I've more to take care of them. Dramatically, mm-hmm. well, hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, more for any baby who's, you know, for instance, low birth weight or, or having problems. So, providing that um, quality care up front, uh, A, I think is the right thing to do, but B, saves us all money. And so, those integrated systems um, where everyone has, has a stake in providing that care. Seem to seem to be working well. And what's the role in government of those that particular scenario? Well, I think government could uh, could act as the uh, you know the catalyst to, to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, could provide uh, startup resources to make that happen. Uh, could fill in some of the gaps you know uh, where that's necessary. Um, it seems that there are just so many <laughs> so many different things about healthcare than something else you know so so if i go to the uh home depot and i need to buy a you know a new tool sure. i walk in and i know well it's going to be x at home depot it's going to be y at lowe's and mm-hmm. uh i can make a decision about whether i'm going to buy it or not yeah and then i just buy it and home depot sets the price and i agree to it mm-hmm. medicine is just so different because uh why you know, is that? I guess that's well, a question, right? That is a question. I really don't know why it, it, it how how it became that way. But you know, if you if you go to your doctor and you have insurance, you're really not paying the cost of that visit. You're paying you know a copay, or you may have to pay the cost of it if you haven't met your deductible. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a percentage of the it, real cost, right? Right, and so you're less cost conscious essentially, and the doctor. Um, isn't really getting paid by you, so so there's really no uh, direct incentive, incentive, yeah, incentive mm-hmm. on either side. Uh, the doctor's going to get paid by the insurance company and has to contract separately with every insurance company. Sometimes uh, they get paid more for the same visit. Sometimes they get paid less for the same visit. Uh, you know, if you throw in Medicaid and Medicare, you know they pay less than a private insurer might, or vice versa. Uh, it's just crazy so that is i mean again this uh, i'm not an expert by any means but is it the free market the answer do we just kind of say okay uh, healthcare medical providers let's just do completely a free market system and kind of do the home depot lowe's analogy yeah. as you mentioned it, we probably wouldn't be able to do that for a long time or is that then create a have and a have not i think it does the latter i think that's the problem with medical care is you you, you know if it's purely uh, uh, a capitalist system and it's a you know supply and demand system then there are a lot of people who simply won't be able to afford it you know just like I may not be able to um, afford the electric drill so I'm just going to get a 
you know, a, a hand drill. Uh, Got it, and, right. Uh, but if that's, well, I can't afford uh, the, the right antibiotic for my pneumonia, so I'm just going to... That's deadly. ...not treat it, that's mm-hmm. deadly, right. Right, right, good point. Uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's a, a huge difference uh, that, that causes complications. Well, and this is so interesting because, yeah, it is. It's a it's a gnarly issue. It's it's a hot debate right now in the political circles. Um, so, for organizations like the People's Health Center, we kind of touched on it earlier. But do you just foresee in the next five, ten years? Do you see things uh, some of these clinics going away? It seems like from what I've read, uh, when it comes to the nonprofit world, a lot of them are trying to step up and provide more services. But when it comes to healthcare services specifically, a lot of them now are accepting Medicaid, for example, that were clinics at one time that right. didn't. Um, what is kind of the path ahead for People's Health Clinic and other health clinics that are focused on this, on these people that are falling through the cracks currently? What's your prediction, I guess, for the next five to ten years? Well, I just last week got a call from a, a specialist in Salt Lake who said he was involved with a, a group of physicians who felt they need there was a need to start yet another uh, kind of nonprofit, not really free but low cost uh, healthcare clinic, despite you know the presence of several already there, and so. Uh, what was his reasoning? Uh, real well, quick, that, that there's there's still a huge need for that. that okay. There's still a huge group of people that who, are not being served. Who are or, not being mm-hmm. served because right now all of the kind of nonprofit clinics providing that care are bursting at the seams. And if I, you know, if you call today to get an appointment, it could be two months or three months. Got um, it. You know, if you're a new patient, so uh, there seems to be an ongoing need. Uh, and an increasing need. Um, I think, though, that there's also likely to be more integration. As you mentioned, I think uh, clinics that are solely providing care to people without insurance or or people who don't have Medicaid uh, are likely to, over the next few years, start um, incorporating uh, some of those other insurances into their programs. And maybe it's just uh, Medicaid and Medicare, or maybe it's, you know, we're going to take care of people with third-party insurance and use what would normally be the profit from that to provide care to people who don't have insurance. Um, So I think that that, you know, that may be a, a business model really out there that would allow for greater coverage of people who, who don't have the insurance. What do you think nonprofits on a leadership you know, level, should they become a little bit more like businesses in terms of how they operate and provide services? Or do you think that would spell the doom of that nonprofit over time? I think in some arenas, they, sh- they, they probably should be. You know, I think uh, um, the, the, the one difference is, I think, I think the more you can organize like a business and, and kind of get that sort of... Uh, efficiency and, and economies of scale and reducing costs, those are all great things. Uh, but for nonprofits, you know, making a profit is not the end goal as it is for businesses. And, and, and it should be because that's how they employ people and that's how they, you know, make the economy run, right? Um, exactly. But, uh, you know, so, so nonprofits can't do that, essentially. So it's always going to be a difference there. That's yeah. right. The that's end right. goal is not the same. And, in, and, and a lot of nonprofits, 
you know, they don't have a widget to sell you that you want. Good point. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of a feel good feeling, you know. Hey, I need you to donate some money to my nonprofit because somebody is in need. Well, you don't get anything out of that other than either I think it's the right thing to do, uh, or I feel good about myself, or uh, you know, I uh, it's part of my value system, et cetera, et cetera. It's a great and point. So that just you know, that's a, a big difference. <laughs> Well, I think it's really ironic today we're interviewing you because there's some big news coming out of PeopleSouth Clinic. Uh, can we go public with uh, their new change here for those yeah, who are from absolutely. the Park City, that, Summit uh, County area? That is great news. Nan Worrell, who has been our executive director for, uh, uh, it's probably been seven years now and has done a phenomenal job, is, uh, is leaving the clinic to focus full-time on her role as a Park City councilwoman. And uh, the uh, board of directors just hired Beth Armstrong to replace her. And Beth has an enormous amount of experience as a chief financial financial officer of various hospitals. Uh, she's been running the Promontory Foundation for the last number of years here. She's been on the hospital board at the Park City uh, Medical Center. Uh, and just really well regarded and well respected in town and I've known her for many years and uh, I love her and I think uh, she's a phenomenal uh, replacement. It's great. Fantastic. Well, yeah. good news. Yeah, Beth Armstrong. Yeah, those who are in the Park City area and Summit County area know her and I think you're right. I think you said it well. She's well regarded. It sounds like she has wonderful experience and can really navigate through some uncharted waters perhaps in the next few years for People's Health Clinic. Absolutely. And your personal role will remain as medical director? That's right. I'm okay. staying on as medical director. Uh, over the last few weeks, I had uh, initially um, planned to move to the Hope Alliance, another nonprofit, as their executive director, but for a variety of reasons, I'm going to stay with uh, the People's Health Clinic. I'm very excited about that. And uh, it's it's good to, to take care of patients, and I love it. Excellent. And we'll have to uh, maybe get the, one of these days. Obviously, the Hope Alliance is looking for an executive director that's now. Right. So whenever they do hire somebody, we'll get that person on this show and idea. get an update. Yeah. Because uh, that's another great nonprofit here in town that does things not just locally but globally. It is, and a, and a great example of not having a particular thing to sell to somebody, you know. To, no kidding. To, make, to, to right. bring in revenue, right. Absolutely. It's really, uh, you know, we got you got to sell a story about you're helping other people who really need your help. Well said. Yeah. Well, and such a key trait for nonprofit leaders to sell that vision so people get behind what you're doing and support it financially and with their time. Well, if people want to know more information about the People's Health Clinic, where do they find out about People's Health Clinic? Uh, you can go to our website, which is thepeopleshealthclinic.org, and uh, you can get on our monthly newsletter list. Uh, you can just check things out at the website. Uh, lots of opportunities for volunteers, for donors. Also, uh, if you uh, need medical care, go to our website, find out what our hours are and, uh, you know, what the criteria are. Basically, it's you need to reside in Wasatch County or Summit County and not have any form of health insurance. Excellent. Well, John, thanks so much for all you do, all that you've done. You've helped start the People's Health Clinic. You've been part of the Hope Alliance from the beginning. You've been our county councilman. Um, you've done a lot of things here in this area. So thanks for all you do and continue to do. Uh, best of luck with your med- position as medical director to continue. And uh, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you very much, Rob. It was a lot of, a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of complex issues and 
like I said, I'm just not expert enough in many of them. Well, you've been, I could tell, you've studied a lot of that. So thanks for your answers today. And Absolutely. I think you whetted people's appetite. If they're very much into the healthcare situation, they can do a little more research, but you've given them some great direction. So thanks again for your time. Those who are listening, by the way, on iTunes, don't forget to give us ratings and or reviews. And uh, that's it for today. Uh, until next time, this is Rob Hardy, your host. Thanks again for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. <laughs>